Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Clotho, at Clotho Spindle on Twitter, joined with Guile. Hi, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast. Chicky? Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Devin? Hey, this is Devin GD Harpo on Twitter. Okay, we're at our, this is our final of the chapter of the Jamie and Brienne re-reread. It's uh, Jamie's first and only chapter in the novel A Dance with Dragons. Um, as usual, warnings for rape and violence, as well as spoilers. And uh, we'll be starting off our uh, A Song of Ice and Fire read. Um, so continue to send in questions to the subreddit, the Jamie Brand subreddit for that. Um, so we'll just jump right in. Titus Blackwood is in Raven Tree Hall. It's been held under siege right. by Jonas Bracken for six months um, when Jamie arrives. And uh, Jamie's kind of, as they're wandering through the lands and they're seeing, you know, kind of the same thing. Everything's burnt out, destroyed, bones, animals, people. You know, he sees his, you know, his father Tywin's hand in that. And Bracken has only 500 men and he's been attempting to basically at this point starve out um, his rival. And uh, Jamie sort of thinks to himself that it's time it's ended and that once, you know, this is over. Uh, his work in the Riverlands will be done. Um, you know, he's kind of like, well, not sort of enthusiastically, but thinking, you know, then it's time to confront Cersei. And, and then he then thinks about the letter that he got from Cersei that he had burned. Um, you know, he's sort of telling himself, you know, even if he had gone back, which is true, you know, he couldn't have saved her. And she's guilty of every treason, you know, that they had up against her. Um, yeah, and he's <laughs> so blase about it too. Like, well, he might be dead. Yeah, 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 and he, he seems to acknowledge that. Like, there's nothing, you know. Either I'm way, I'm not saying he doesn't <laughs> still care. Obviously, he does, but it's like at the same time, like this is a very real possibility that she will yeah. be dead, and he he does seem to be processing it. So, yeah. um, he's making his way over to Bracken's pavilion. Uh, the guards kind of seem, you know, it. it as he's approaching, they, they mention that no one's sort of alarmed. They kind of, it seems like they're kind of expecting this and, you know, they know who he is. And But the guards seem a little nervous and they ask, like, do you want to be announced first? And we get, you know, as he walks in, he declines and he says he'll do it himself. And as he walks in, we see why they were nervous because uh, <laughs> Bracken is having very enthusiastic sex with Hildy. Uh, <laughs> they don't even notice love- him coming. <laughs> Well, I love the note, like, she's holding on to his back hair. <laughs> no. That is such it's a just, visual. It's just... Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. And he even compares her, like... He, he compares her, like, her crotch hair to, like, the back hair. Like, he looks like she could be one of the family. Like, oh, yeah. God. Oh, just par for the course for his sex scenes. Um and, you know, just sort of immediately, like, separate. And she's trying to cover herself up. Or just kind of like a little humorous interaction where she's switching hands. And she goes, like, in one breast, then her parts. And then, you know, he's, like, he calls her his prize of war. Um, and Jamie kind of asks her, you know, you know, she's like, well, my name is Hildy. And, you know, we get this little, not detailed backstory, but there's a little bit of interaction here. And, um Brackets is getting frustrated at this point. God, it seems like with both, he's like, get the hell out of here, kind of. And um, I'm going to read this. Yeah, one. it's like he can't say it, but he clearly is like, <laughs> fuck like, off. I know. Like, and I think he's like, why the hell is like Jamie's like totally like interacting with her? Like, it's just funny. The whole scene's funny to me. It is funny. <laughs> you know, to me, it's like, <laughs> I know people are mad at Jamie for a lot of things, but I feel like this is one of it's, the most dickish things he ever did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> and um, so this little part right here, she says, um, when Bracken yells at her to leave, she's like, um, does that mean my lord won't be taking me home with him to pray with his little wife? Laughing, Hilda gave Jamie a brazen look. Do you have a little wife, sir? No, I have a sister. He thinks to himself, that's in his head. And then he says to her, what color is my cloak? White, she said, but your hand is solid gold. I like that in a man. And what is it you like in a woman, my lord? Innocence, was his reply. So I think that's kind of iconic. Yeah, Jamie and Brienne <laughs> and fandoms. 
information. I mean, <laughs> I don't love the the innocence versus horror thing, but oh god, it's clearly about Brienne. Yeah. Yeah, for that reason. This whole fucking chapter, I mean, Jamie is, let's just say this, so horny in this scene because yes. you don't hear Jamie saying too much, but you kind of hear that he is watching Hildy. Like, Hildy actually at one point is like, you're watching my boobs. And, <laughs> of course, we already know that Jamie is quite a boob man. Um, this is just Jamie very much engaged in the whole concept of what's going on. Um <laughs> and and this continues throughout the chapter. I mean, he thinks of this later too. Yeah, I mean, she grabs him. She's is pretty he bold. Never she's not like, horny. <laughs> 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 it's a constant state. That's true. You could kind of say, oh, you know, it's not because he's been celibate all this time. He's getting somebody's horny all the time. Yeah. She uh, she's kind of. I'm trying to think of what else sort of happens. Um, yeah, she's kind of just makes herself really known. Like, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting for, like, as brief as she's there. I think she's very, I don't know, I find her interesting little character, little side character. And then we get a little bit, you know, I guess we can get into, like, Jamie's asking Jonas if he's seen the blackfish. Um, you know, they kind of get into um, if if he's, you know, has, has he slipped by? And he's like, no, like, how is there any way that, like, he's have to fly in to get by, you know? They don't get a ton of men, but they have enough that they'd see the blackfish if he tried to get refuge um, in Raven Tree. Um, <sighs> Jamie responds that, like, you know, he's, you know, they're kind of saying, Jonas is like, okay, we'll be done by the month. You know, the end of the month, we'll be done. Next full moon. And Jamie responds, no, they're going to yield before sundown. He's pretty confident in that. Um, they start discussing terms. Bracken suggests that Jamie, you know, take um, Titus's only daughter as a hostage because, you know, he says she's his favorite and that would, you know, kind of the idea that, yeah, that'll mean a lot to him. So he'll behave. Um, Jamie, he's kind of, you know, bartering here. Like he's kind of saying he pulls out this map and he wants all this land. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, kind of what's hidden here is that there is this, you know, millennia old feud between the Blackwoods and the Brackens. And, and so of course, Jonas Bracken is just using this as an opportunity to, really stick it to his ancestral enemies. <laughs> yeah, and we kind of say here that, like, it's, you know, and you're kind of getting one side versus the other, and we get the other later from Hoster. We get really more detailed information, but, you know, he's kind of like, well, in a sense, taking his word for it, okay, this is land, this, you know, this th- they took for us, what, a thousand years ago, you know, and it, fighting back and forth, and Jamie says he's lucky to have his head, um, since previously he had sided with the Starks, um, you know, I think Jonas kind of he gets this kind of feeling. Okay, I got to back down here. So you don't know, push my luck. Yeah, exactly. Take what the hell you're gonna get. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. I mean, these are these are both people who were bannermen to yeah. you know the Tullys to River Run and you know the Brackens and the Blackwoods and and this is more. We kind of have explored this a lot in you know the yeah. last half of Feast with Jamie's chapters. This is more of just the the fallout of the war, the fact that you have these people who were allies until very recently who are now suddenly on opposite sides. And um, who is it? Vance, one of the lords, tells Jamie at River Run that you know the, the Blackwoods are never going <laughs> to surrender to the Brackens. They'll they'll just sit there and die instead. And that's why he knows he can end it. Um, but it's just more of the just pointless waste of a mess that this yeah, whole Riverlands. Yeah you know and and i like that, that jamie was. sort of like you know as usual for him he thinks to himself that you know he understands that he's being like he calls him a prudent man but then he's like blackwood's more honorable because at least he's sticking to what he said you know what i mean he didn't immediately like yeah you know, well i'm like clearly george likes the blackwoods more than the brackets because you have Jonas bracken sitting here saying like Oh, you know, you can't trust the Blackwoods. They're turn cloaks and all this stuff. And Jamie, you know, Jamie's not even bothering to think it, but we all know yeah. we're all sitting there going, wait, you're the one who just changed sides. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are literally the last holdouts of what remains of the Stark Tully kingdom, you know? <laughs> and like he's sitting, you know, Jonas Bracken's like, oh, they're the ones who are turn cloaks. You know, Jamie, even though he doesn't think it, is like, yeah, I know which one of you is the turn cloak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, and that's again, yet again shows that he's just he he's on he's on it when he's he knows he reads people he's getting what the hell's going on and he's very adept at this stuff um he goes uh, so this is the end scene there and then he goes and meets with lord titus um he allows him to there's a nice just yeah. uh, sorry there's a nice description of the riverlands themselves in there too though and just you know he talks about jamie's talking about the veil of blackwood and it sounds like you know it was very 
you know, very beautiful, very fertile, and now it's just mm. ash. And I mean, it really, you really, to me, I really got a nice, yeah. not nice, like mm. it was a good thing, but like a nice description of just the, you know, utter devastation that we see again and again mm. throughout Feast and into this chapter. And it's almost yeah, at some point, point doesn't live. even think yeah. how it's Tywin's fault, too. He thinks, you know, this yeah. is what yeah, yeah. He see, yeah, he said he sees Tywin's hand in it. Yeah. I mean, never forget, Jamie was definitely part of the war in the Riverlands himself to begin with, but yeah. Uh, well, it's almost like a World War One thing in a way that I think when it started, it was, I don't think anyone was necessarily thinking this was some total war type of thing. It was, yeah. uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to mess with, we're going to, you know, fuck with the Tullys a little bit because of Tyrion, but that'll be it. And then it was posturing to begin with, clearly. Yeah. And then it turned into, you know, this all out total war that completely devastated everything. Yeah. So as he's, you know, entering Raven Tree Hall with Titus, um, Jamie sees we got, this was a pretty cool scene, too. I thought um, he sees the weirwood tree through the double doors, um, you know, once they're inside the castle. It's really kind of just I don't know. The imagery is really cool. It's black and it's lifeless and it, it leads to more you know, more of that story, that backstory of the, like, the feuding. Um, he tells them that the Brackens poisoned it a thousand years ago. Um, you know, ravens come to roost on it by the hundreds every night. It's just so, it's just so eerie and creepy. Um, it just, I, I thought it was just interesting that he takes the time. I like that he's taking the time to, like, act and I love like that. I love the start of the scene when he gets to Black Tree Hall, too, because of there's that little exchange with, you know, Titus basically saying, you know, I, I was hoping you were going to come, basically. Like, we, I don't, you know, we don't want to starve, and we sure, but we're not going to surrender to the Brackens. Yeah. And then there's the, you know, should I kneel to you right now? And, you know, Jamie's yeah. like, no, we can, you know, we can go to the Solar. And, yeah. you know, giving him that, giving him that out, which I... I do think is important. I think like the way yeah, he handles him Blackwood is really yeah. He's yeah. Let, he lets the people who deserve it get dignity. Like I thought, like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, um, because as always, Jamie admires people like yeah. this. I mean, yeah. he admires this a lot. This lost cause, you know, <laughs> business. And they, they, you know, they begin once they're inside. They start t- um, discussing. You know, they're pretty. They're pretty both pretty honest with each other. They kind of <laughs> jump right into terms. Um, it's kind of confession, fealty, pardon golden silver and lands um you know they kind of go you know jamie's like yeah he's not going to get all the lands he asked for and they kind of hash it out and um what is the honey there's a place that sounds cool too like and that's what i was wondering like how i guess is that intact like you know just some of these places like you were saying they just sound so like someplace you'd want to live (laughs) just talking about how much he's talking about the riverlands in this chapter is this the only riverlands chapter in the book is that why there's so much of this yeah i think Mm. so it must be huh yeah because i think the only you know as close as they would be would be to molt kalen but i mean that's pretty you know that's pretty far definitely yeah Yeah. so yeah that must be why he's really indulging in it so much i like there's a little did you guys catch that little mention of penny tree they, yeah. um, and then it's been a, I think it was like a royal fiefdom for a hundred years. And, you know, no one really remembers why. Hmm. <laughs> Wonder if we'll what find out. A hundred years ago, you know, a little echo of Duncan Egg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. George. Uh, George. <laughs> Finish it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so Jamie kind of jumps into this, um, the issue of his daughter. Uh, we learn her name is Bethany. Um, that she, you know, he sort of puts out there, you know, bring her as hostage. And Titus is immediately stricken. Uh, he's kind of asking him, you know, hey, would you consider one of my four remaining sons? I thought that was kind of moving, too, because, like, Jamie's like, oh, you know, it's six. Like, almost like, okay, don't try to fool me. And he's like, no, you know, two died. Like, one died, was it the day before, I think, or a couple days yeah. ago? Yeah, then, just a few days before. And then and the other died at Red Wedding. Yeah. yeah. And two, I mean, you know, in any other circumstance, you know, in some ways, I think if he didn't have this emotional connection to his daughter, you know, if if we didn't know what was going to happen to King's Landing, actually, it yeah. really would be like an awesome opportunity for for her. Uh, yeah. yeah. If it wasn't I mean, so hideous, like if they weren't such horrible people, yeah, I mean, well, I mean Cersei. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. you know, to be yeah, common. Yeah, nice. <laughs> And, you know, to be Tommen's buddy and, like, the Tyrell and the Tyrell cousins are, you know, mostly younger than Marjorie. So they'd all, you know, kittens. they'd be in a clo- kittens yeah. or pounds there. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, it could have been fantastic. 
And yeah, he really stacks the deck with the Blackwoods because, I mean, you know, obviously Bethany, you know, you think of obviously Betha, Betha Blackwood mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Brynden Blackwood. So mm-hmm. we, we certainly get our historic Blackwoods along the way. <laughs> and, you know, as they're going back and forth, they fall on Hoster, who he said is his, he's a book reader. Um, and and then Titus immediately after that suggests that Jamie take um, a hostage from Jonas and that he and he has all daughters. So it's going to be a girl. Um, I thought that was interesting. Well, and also, yeah. like, Titus is playing the same. Like, it yeah. makes Titus yeah, not be a saint, which I appreciate, you know. Sure. Like, I want him to also be a bit petty about, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> as petty as possible, too. Yeah. He deserves, Jonas deserves it. It's <laughs> 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 back and forth. It makes it fair, you know. Um, <laughs> Jamie tells him he can't linger, that River Run awaits, and. And um, kind of, he's like willing to. Okay, Hoster's ready within an hour. And there's this, you know, scene right here. And I didn't write. I don't have the exact words down, but I thought this was also kind of, you know, Jamie kind of puts that. I don't know. I mean, do you feel like it's him just asserting? Okay, this is, you know, dominance. Okay, you're going to to keep definitely make sure people follow what he says. Or do you think there's just just any kind of real Jamie um, popping out, or do you think it's a? I can't really I read think, whether. No, I think it's that you know things are going too well, and you uh, know we've heard yeah, Jamie so. think a few times and feast anyway about how he's like a little upset with himself, how attached he's getting to some of his squires because okay. they're all fucking hostages. Okay. <laughs> He doesn't want to get attached to any of them, which I think is probably part of it. He sees this kid who reminds him of Tyrion, who, of course, he's got very mixed feelings about at this point, but also misses. And I think he's just like, I don't want to get attached to this kid. Let's just make this 100% clear. He's a hostage. I'm going to fucking kill him if you don't, you know, yeah. keep yourself in line. Yeah. Um, he's it's it's his it's his it's his ver- human version of not naming the horse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which kind of is understandable. But probably before we move on, you mentioned it a little bit, Kyle, but I mean, we should talk about the fact before we leave Raven Tree Hall. Yes, this is Blood Raven's mother's ancestral home. This the the werewood and the ravens and all of yeah, that. You should cool. assume that there is a Blood Raven element at play. Um, God only yeah. knows what. Well, and I mean, it's, you know, Daenerys's family and Jon Snow's family as well. I mean, they both yeah. descend from Betha Blackwood. So... You know, given and given like the Targaryen incest, any any blood other than Targ blood is somewhat precious here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's 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 definitely something going on. There's a reason probably that George wanted to get into Raven Tree Hall and introduce you to this Weirwood tree. Yeah, it would be cool if something happened with the tree. <laughs> like it just sounds really, you know, be interesting. It'd be cool if anything happened. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Some eerie scene with that tree and those ravens. <laughs> oh. Well, and how far, you know, this would be one of those times where I wish I had the map of the Riverlands because, you know, we, we have Danny having these visions on the Trident and we have yeah. these other thoughts about, like, some, what's going to happen at the Trident? Like, is this close to the Trident? Is this anywhere, you know, is this somewhere near if we think if we think this some big action is going to happen at the Trident coming up, is this anywhere near it being ground zero for that? Oh, I never thought of that. Let's see that. I'm looking at the little, the little map here. <laughs> Does it show? I just is see I these maps are in the Riverlands, yeah. but is it? I don't know if it's near Raven Tree. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's yeah. The Trident's definitely the Riverlands. I mean, they kind of consider a big area the Trident because it's just where the, the three yeah. rivers are, right? Yeah. And I mean, this is this is by one of the rivers, so. I guess technically, Raven Tree Hall. Or you know um, the it's up from it a little bit. If you it's kind of parallel. It looks like to River Run. If you look, it's above where the fork. The there's um yeah, it's yeah, north it's like of River ways. Run, right? Yeah, Trident's. Closer. That's what I always say because yeah. <laughs> not only did Jamie burn Cersei's letter, he actually went the opposite way of King's Landing. Yeah, yeah, because that's true. Yeah, he's going north, huh? This would be fascinating for everyone listening as well. Looking at maps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what happens. <laughs> J- Jamie finds Jonas waiting for him outside of Raven Tree. Um, Jamie shares the terms with him, and you know you can kind of see that like he's kind of looks a little just face drains when he mentions sending one of his daughters. You know he kind of plays it up as oh you know one of your daughters can come and serve the queen. 
um, you know, makes it tries to sell it as some, you know, like a, a job <laughs> opportunity, you know. Oh gosh! And then um, he said, you know, he's pretty much look by the end of the, you know, he's not going to argue this point. He says, you know, Senator, before the end of the year, um, he turns around and on his horse leaves. Um, then I mean, I appreciate this. <laughs> I have to say, you know, like no one else in Jamie's fucking house is doing quite this level of looking out for the future because it's yeah. like he's like. What what we can't have is any more insurrection in the Riverlands, yeah. and I think we all know there is going to be another mess in the Riverlands. But Jamie at least is aware that it's a problem and trying yeah. to prevent it. What a waste! Just think of how they're fucking up everywhere else, and yet he's like, oh, it's like he's trying to, you know, stop the dam. You know, he's poking his finger in these holes, and it's just ugh, Cersei's just. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's, he's plugging holes yeah. in the dam with chewing gum while Cersei's, you know, <laughs> taking a can into the thing. <laughs> And I've talked about it before, I know, but I think there is a little bit of a parallel to Asha here and what mm. she what she offered the Iron Islands. And the, granted, they didn't take it, yeah. but I think, you know, she offered them some sense of this would be a reasonable way to live. And they're like, no, fuck it. We want that. We want those oh, dragons no. and horns, oh, <laughs> which, you know, I can't say I wouldn't be also <laughs> voting that way. But still, you know, she it's kind of where her head is at, too. Yeah. Uh, they leave and they make their way to the village of Penny Tree. You know, we get kind of description. <laughs> they describe a little background of the teats and um, which is great. <laughs> I, know. I, I don't know. It I kind don't... of stuff like this almost makes me want to pick up Fire and Blood, which I don't know if any yeah. of you have read. Oh, I've just skim parts, like little parts. Nope. And it they does sort of it. make. Yeah. So knowing that D and D don't have anything to do with it. Is there any in, anyone have any interest in watching that when it comes out? Oh, the show? Oh, yeah, the show. Gonna be terrible. See, I kind of uh-huh. think I might. Fuck that noise. Ooh, Fuck that noise. I, I saw someone say that it has the that it ends with the Targaryen, um, the black, basically with Blackfire stuff, and that kind of made me a little oh. bit interested because I do mm. like that, but I just don't know. God. I just do not know. Oh man. I like the idea of them all having one wig they have to share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I hate Targaryens. Fuck the Targaryens. And you know there's going to be... I, like, I just can't stand... It's just going to be typical HBO. It's going to be boobs and butts. And I'm just yeah, t- I'm tired of it. End up happening. And I only like, like... I like about four Targaryens. And if like, something would get done about those four, that would be great. <laughs> but that's like Egg, Baylor. Is that his name? Yeah, Breakspear. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe only like two. Well, they can... you don't like Eamon? <laughs> I like Eamon. Yeah, I like Eamon. Queen and Alice. I, and, and I like, I I really like Blood Raven. I never count John yeah. when I'm talking about Targaryen. Dumb. Because I, like. I don't think John would ever count himself. Yeah, but I love John. But um, and <laughs> Blood Raven. But yeah. yeah, if it's not look, Dunkin' Egg or nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the series we you know. And I I actually read something horrifying, which was something about Chris Hemsworth being involved in being a Targaryen, which, A, I think he's way too big for that show. Uh-huh. And, you know, B, no, because then he can't be Dunk. <laughs> Come oh, on. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. And I refuse to accept some lame-ass Liam substitution for that. It's Chris or get him out. Sorry, Liam. You have very strong Hemsworth opinions. You know, I really do. I mean, actually, I liked the movie that Liam was in with um, Rebel Wilson that was super cute, but... um. You know, otherwise, yes, I'm, you know, definitely, as, as most human beings are, more Chris, or it doesn't matter, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, so we, and we get a lot of history, like, this is, uh, we get some, <laughs> the background of the war. And, you know, I like that Hoster sort of tells, because Jamie's like, well, you know, is all this fighting because there's this happened a thousand years ago? No, well, there's been peaceful points. He was like, you know, it's it's peace and fighting, peace and fighting. And this is over and over again. I mean, there's been like, you know, he mentioned there's been periods of time where things have been good. They've, you know, intermarried um, the Brackens and Blackwoods. Um, you know, they're just another one of their, um, I guess, their fighting binges. Uh, well, we meet them now, and and here is also where Jamie thinks that Tyrion would get along, and like he said, they'd have you know they could argue over over the books they've read, and that Tyrion would like Hoster, and you know yeah. even though he's not trying to, you, know, you could tell he's he's you know, and uh, 
they come up to the holdfast. Uh, the villagers have understandably hidden inside. Can you back yeah, up back, a second, yeah. Clotho? Because I think there's sort of a crucial passage in there about, um, you know, Hoster, or Hoster asking Jamie, you know, I think it, it, they're talking about this ongoing feud and Jamie makes a remark to the extent that, well, to end it, you just have to, you know, kill, kill, the, yeah, kill them and their true. sons. Yeah. And Hoster says, you know, is that why you killed all the Starks? And I think at that point, Jamie thinks about, you know, Brienne, you know, Brienne, where are, you know, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those great things where what Jamie says and what he's done and what he thinks are completely different. But there's certain segments, I think, of readers that only they only think about what Jamie says in that moment. And it's, you know, this bloodthirsty Lannister narrative when in reality, you know, we not only know that Jamie is absolutely positively not trying to kill the last Stark, but also he's literally not killed the last Tully's. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's it. I, I mean, like he, he says that he's like, here's yeah, how you deal with it. Yeah. But you look at what he just did. He literally is sending yeah. Edmure to Casterly Rock to keep him safe. I mean, he doesn't fucking send him to King's Landing where King's Landing, where he'd be in Cersei's control. No, Jamie sends him to Casterly Rock. Like he, he, he's trying not, he's actively trying not to cast a mirror anyone. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But using that whole, you know, threat to get everything that he wants done. And it's worked so far. I mean, I, probably yeah. the bluff is going to run out at some point. But, but so far, so good. This narrative that the Lannisters are getting their comeuppance and that's what this story is about is just so wrong. Like, I absolutely think the Lann- like the Brotherhood and, you know, the pack of wolves and whoever else are going to fuck up the Lannisters – but the narrative isn't like, oh, right, you know, yeah, vengeance, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's the story George is writing, and I really question why people would think that's the story that he's writing. I think it's mm. more likely to be, yeah, we really fucked up the Lannisters. Oh, shit, now there's, like, fucking dragons and undead. Like, fuck, I wish we had those Lannisters. <laughs> like, that's more of the story. Yeah, well, I mean, George is... is- deconstructing that within this chapter where he's talking about the fact that this is just, you know, it doesn't matter who was right or who was wrong to begin with. At some point, something just becomes a feud Mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody starts acting really stupid Mm -hmm. and George doesn't seem to like that. He never rewards that sort of um, mentality. And I don't think there's any question that George is not um, championing the Lady Stoneheart view of vengeance. He shows you how unjust and unfair that concept is by having her try to hang Podrick and Brienne, like the most innocent, pure-hearted people in this whole goddamn series. And yet there like, is that's this narrative. That's what that brand of vengeance gets you. And yet there is this narrative that takes this whole storyline, and that's the point of it, according to them, is that it's some... That it's some um, discussion of the evils of Tywin Lannister. I mean, it's not that that isn't there because George fucking hates Tywin and wants to just twist the knife to Tywin as much as he possibly can. You see him do it everywhere. Um, But I don't think like, I I don't think we end up with a scenario where there are no Lannisters in existence. I mean, it wouldn't even be possible. There's so goddamn many of them, but you know, like I I don't think that's George's final story that the Lannisters cease to exist. I, I really don't think so. And that, yeah, I mean, we have a question that gets into it a little bit more, but that passage always is just a really good example of a really loose, really lazy reading of of Jamie in some cases. Well, we get on to, um, where are we at? The villagers and the hold. (laughs) Um, I guess there's a part, is that, I think right before this, there is a part where he sees the tree and he sees the, you know, the pennies nailed to the tree. Mm-hmm. And I think that they don't get into that, right? Is it just kind of like he's, if I'm remembering right, they just kind of, he's like, oh, well, I wonder what, you know, what the story behind that is. Yeah. Um, and, and George is like, but I can't say because I'm clearly going to spoil it in the next <laughs> Duncan Egg novel. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <I don't> know. <laughs> so, you know, the villagers are there. They won't let him in. Um, Jamie tells his men to you know, shelter in the empty houses, you know, because one of the, I forgot the guy's name, but the guy comes up and he's like, oh, why don't we just like, we could easily break in, you know? And he's like, well, why? Why are we going to spill blood? They're just scared, you know, essentially is what he's trying to get across to him. You yeah. know, we'll just use their houses and then move on. 
Um, and this is it. This is this yeah. is where no matter what Jamie's saying, look at what Jamie fucking does. Yes, yes. Jamie's like, don't take any of their shit. Don't hurt their stuff. We'll just yeah. stay here tonight and we'll leave. We don't need to kill them. We don't need to prove anything here. Because that's just not who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So respectful. Hmm. It's so different. Yeah, it's refreshing. <laughs> and I'll, I'll read. This is the final, this is kind of the end scene, but we've got this kind of the... the Iconic scene here. Um, He posted sentries to see that no one left the confines of the village. He sent out scouts as well to make certain no enemy took them unawares. It was near midnight when two came riding um, back with a woman they had taken captive. She rode up bold as you please, my lord, demanding words with you. Jamie scrambled to his feet. My lady, I had not thought to see see you again so soon. Gods be good. She looked ten years older than when I last saw her, and what's happened to her face? That bandage, you've been wounded. A bite, she touched the hilt of her sword, the sword that he had given her, Oathkeeper. My lord, you gave me a quest. The girl, have you found her? I have, said Brienne, made of Tarth. Where is she? A day's ride. I can take you to her, sir, but you'll need to come alone. Elsewise, the hound will kill her. <laughs> and he notices and, that she touched his sword. And nine <laughs> years later, oh, we still yeah. don't know what happened. And a decade fucking later. Oh my god! <laughs> but seriously, everything about the way that George writes this—like how Jamie scrambles to his feet and like he just like he sees her and it's just like instinct takes over. He doesn't even think her name. He's just like. I didn't think I'd see you again so soon. And like, ah! and it's, you know, because there's, because this is their only chapter in the book and it's, you know, three quarters of the way through the book, the language of it is so expository, you know, it's not mm-hmm. getting into what I think the actual scene would have been if it were all more cohesive together. Yeah. You know, they have to explain who it is and what her quest was, you know, all of those mm-hmm. little, all those little things in this, you know, three or four paragraph little bit too. Uh, it's so fair. Cause he can't reveal anything now. Like, yeah. And like, I don't fucking care what anybody says. Like he's literally got Jamie horny. Horny is crazy at this point of this chapter. And then like Brienne shows up. I mean like, come on, <laughs> come on. But she also has, you know, horrific injuries. So <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not saying they're about to bang. <laughs> okay. Well, it's putting, well, it's no. funny because obviously he puts them together, but when, you know, it's also another instance where if, you know, we all believe in, you know, Red Wedding, th- Red Wedding 2 or um, someone attacking the Tully, you know, the, the Tully caravan to Casterly Rock or the Wolf Pack or, you know, all of these various things. Like, once again, George is taking Jamie away from that. Like he literally has Brienne taking him away from, you know, if there is a slaughter, he's, you know, neither of them are going to be there. And, you know, it's Kat Mm. doing it, which is so funny because, you know, again, she's the one that saves them from the Red Wedding and its aftermath. You know, she saves, you know, Brienne certainly would have died at the Red Wedding and Jamie probably would have died. You know, it's hard to imagine the Blackfish not killing him post Red Wedding. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she saves, you know, she saves them yet again, most likely. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild to see how it does play out. It's going to be crazy. I like this this positivity that it, that you're going to see that, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I call me, you know, a wide-eyed optimist. I still think we're going to get wins at some point. I mean, I, I, I do think that. Don't you still I think do it, too. too? I just don't yeah, think we'll ever do. Yeah, no, Devin, we're never going to see anything other than wins. Yeah, we're never going to be dreaming. We we get wins, but that's it. (laughs) This is one of those things, like, when I think about reading the first Jamie or Brienne chapter or whatever, that I just get chills when I think about reading that next chapter they have. And it's the same thing with either the first John or first Melisandre chapter in wins, Mm -hmm. like... Thinking about those two things. The first Mel chapter? Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's going to be a trip. These fucking Actually, any Melisandre chapter in Winds is going to be just, you know, wild. Well, so is any John chapter. Any John, right? like, yeah. Like, I wake like, up in the middle of the night thinking about a goddamn John chapter in Winds. Or a ghost chapter. Or a ghost, yeah. Uh, 
Oh. Oh, I would love. Oh. Can I, George? Can I write the ghost chapter? That'd be so fun. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I mean, like this is good. You know, we started this reread, 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 reread of these chapters because of the like absolute horror that was season eight of Game of Thrones with regard to Jamie and Brienne in particular, but really the whole thing. But I mean. It's just good to know in the books it's not all lost. I mean, yes, things look a little grim for them right now, but we are pretty sure they're going to survive <laughs> just based on what happened on the stupid show. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like, there is more good stuff still in store for Jamie and Brienne in the books. I'm not saying it's going to end happily by any means, but, you know. I'm pretty sure it's going to not end with Brienne in a bathrobe begging Jamie to stay. That's the one positive from the show was yeah. that they fought together, and that is yeah. kind of the okay. Oh yeah, that's yeah. definitely probably going to happen in the books. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that because they're like not the cool enough. Positive. Yeah, they're not cool enough to come up with that. <laughs> no, <they are> <laughs> oh gosh, but it's just like. How different is this, Jesus? Like so different. Good. You. I mean, you read through Feast again, and it, actually, we have a question a little bit about this. Um, yeah. We had a question on the subreddit uh, from um, from Wax Paper Door, who is saying, you know, how do you feel about Jamie and Brienne now that this reread is done? By which I mean, is there anything in their POVs or story arcs that you now like more or less? And does rereading their chapters, already knowing what is to come, change how you react to them? Um, and then Buck O'Hare references the same question with, um, you know, this is especially important within with the context of the show's rather tragic and hopefully invented ending for the pair. What new things have you noticed in this reading? I think, to me, it's more of just, I don't know who these people on this TV show were, but mm. they weren't Jamie and Brienne. And, I mean, we always knew that the good middle of the story was completely gone anyway, and, you know, now it feels like, seven-eighths of their story was never adapted, so it just seems very brand new to me. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think for me, you know, all these years, and, like, this is going to get sappy or something, but, you know, all these years we, we've, we've been in not just Jamie Brienne fandom, but a Song of Ice and Fire fandom and Game of Thrones fandom. And um, when you ship Jamie and Brienne to the, you know... <laughs> absolutely loony degree that we obviously do um you you're constantly having to defend the fact that you ship it oh like people are like oh that's really nothing nothing's going on there he thinks of her as a friend you know platonic blah 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 jamie sarcy or the whatever and the one thing that that stupid fucking show did was confirm that jamie and brianne is a romance and so doing this reread all of the arguments that we've all made over the years based on what's in the books that, you know, yes, Jamie and Bran are definitely in the middle of a very, very deep and serious romance. Um, rereading it with the confirmation that they're canon from the stupid show. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you just are like, yeah, why would we even have doubted this for a moment? I mean, like, it's so obvious. It's written clear through the chat. It's just woven entirely through everything that they do that clearly, you know, not just that they're in a romantic relationship together, but their destinies are tied together. So, I mean, yeah, it was a little different this time just because of that. It's just like before it was always like, well, I think I think this. But now it's just like, oh, no, I, it's true. I know it. It's it's real. It's there. I never doubted. <laughs> I don't know. It's just again, it just is reading comprehension. I the fact that the show did something, I I just I would just say I think I I don't find any validity in anything that the show did, and I'm not particularly <laughs> um, the fact that they you know the fact that they were together in the show means not it, it doesn't mean anything to me in regard to the books because I just reject any notion of any kind of canon for it. I think the books stand on their own as as to what kind of relationship they're in. I don't I don't need the show to validate anything about them, and I you know just wish the show to like be burned out of my memory. Oh God. Yeah. It's really bad. Isn't it weird? Like the further, yeah, the further way I get from it, the less I ever want to see any, like it, it, I didn't think I'd feel like it gets worse. Like I get more angry about it. Like I don't want to, 
I mean, oh, even bitter. like the first episode, I would just yeah. watch it being mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, be no it, joy yeah, in it anymore. Yeah, it's so tainted by what we know is coming. Like, it just yeah. ruins... Ugh. And that's the only way I can approach that Fire and Blood show if I chose to watch is just, you know, the Game of Thrones canon ending has no bearing on this show, that show's canon. It, mm. it That show's canon is A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm. So it... You know, it, there's no to me. There should be no inevitability into what would happen and what happens in that show either. Oh, I don't think. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. We're not going to have a <laughs> bunch of Targaryens like foreshadowing bells, driving them crazy, or any bullshit like that. So, didn't somebody else do? I remember my brother telling me that like um, he would never. I was like, oh, you should read, you know, George Martin, or you should, you should watch it. You know, and whenever I told him that, he goes, oh, well, it was recently. There's another show that got. That was George based on George's series. I don't know what that was, and I can't, I wish I could remember what it was. The wild card. I, I, it might Wasn't be. There he, a wild said, card he said show? it was terrible, and I said, "Well, I said you can't really take anything." You know, it's they kind of did a terrible remake of Game of Thrones too, so or version. Well, I'm just gonna say, like, just because a movie or a show is bad doesn't mean that the source material. That's is what bad. I tried to tell him. I was trying um, to tell him, like, look at what they did. I said exactly. I said this is like proof. Game of Thrones was nothing. You know, it's so vastly different. You can't. This take is not the it. first. Term terrible adaptation yeah. we've all lived through <laughs> so i guess george is poor george is like bad luck at adaptations then i was oh watching the movie knives out this weekend and christopher oh. Plummer, who's the crime or he's the crime mystery novelist that gets murdered no spoilers there um and his character won't release any he won't sell the rights to any of his books for film or tv adaptations <laughs> i just thought of george I'm like oh i bet george is so like so mad he's so bitter that he wasn't you know as cool as christopher Plummer. i mean you know a few people are as cool as christopher Plummer, of course but uh, how wonder. did he avoid game of thrones <laughs> god i know i don't know <laughs> And I wonder if anybody now, like, you know, is there anybody who wanted to be in it? It was like, oh, now I'm really glad I wasn't in it. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Probably, I mean, you know, it's still money. Which yeah, it's true. It's just a job for them. It's kind of how, like, sometimes I feel like pro athletes, you know, fans want them. You know, oh, I played yeah. for the Packers. You no, know, you want them to be a Packer fan. <laughs> and, like, they don't see it. Like, they... Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to them. Like their experience with sports is so different that they're not like it's a job. Yeah. yeah, it's a job. They're never going to be a fan like that. And I think it's it's mu- it must be the same for actors for the most part. <laughs> Although I mean, I think a lot of the cast of Game of Thrones. Oh, like the guy who. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the comments they made afterwards, like, oh Lord. <laughs> they are crushed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, do uh, we got more mail, right? We have more. Uh, we do. Okay. Uh, we have another message on the subreddit from Buck O'Hare, who says, "I've really been enjoying your take on Jamie and the Riverlands. I bought into the Brennan Black Blackfish's take that it was a that it was a doomed endeavor, but thanks to you all, it's nice to see that Jamie has golden hand of justice out there, even with such intractable problems as brackens and blackwoods." What are your hopes for Jamie's alliance building in Winds? What groundwork has been laid? The fandom talks a lot about Red Wedding 2.0 and not much about Jamie's army, his squires, and the friendships built. I I don't know. I don't I don't really get into the whole. I mean, like the whole, even the whole Red Wedding 2.0. I mean, like something's going to go on. But I've been saying this for quite a while. You know. There's only so much force that any Stark loyalists or Tully loyalists can muster, and they could they could cause some havoc if you think of them as like, you know, partisans or or even you know terrorists. like terrorists. Um, y- they can cause trouble. Um, but as far as like you know retaking things, I I don't see that happening personally without someone else helping them, unless Danny came and helped them or something, which I don't think is going to happen. Um. I just see it as, you know, like a little bit of vengeance. Clearly the phrase are going to get <laughs> obliterated at some point, but <laughs> I think that's probably going to be the extent of it. I mean, what you see going on with Jamie here, every one of these river lords that he talks to are just done. They're all terrified about how they're going to survive the winter. Um, they're, they're very concerned about their immediate um, situations and sure they're still loyal. Like, you know, you hear him talking about, yeah, they're loyal to, to, the Blackfish, they're, you know, they're still loyal to the Tullys, but they've also got to make sure that they and their families and their people survive. And, um, 
you can tell that that's definitely priority one right now. And, and then, like I keep yeah. saying, we've got an existential threat coming where everybody's going to have to band together. And it's not that far off, theoretically. Um, so uh, whatever happens and wins, and something will happen, it it can only go so far just because you're going to need these people to band together if there really isn't going to be a stand against the others at the Trident that would supposedly be only two books away from where we're at right now. And, I mean, who's going to lead that stand? I mean, obviously... Obviously, probably Danny from Danny from the South, but you know who else? Who else are people going to stand behind? Um, well, I mean John from the North, but right. um, yeah, I, think, I tend you know, to think Jamie's got to be involved. I, I, you know, he is good at this this whole generally thing. I mean, yeah, he's made some really huge mistakes. Hello, Whispering Wood. But if you look at who's left, it's like Randall, Tarley, and Jamie. Um, I, who who else is even on their level that's still active below the neck? I mean, seriously, I don't know. I guess you could say John Connington, but I don't think any of us think he's going to be baking any stands against the others. And I'm not sure what kind of a military mind he is anyway, considering how he dealt with Robert's Rebellion. I, I, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I mean, I don't see how it isn't Jamie involved in a, a last stand. But I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's Jamie. I mean, again, we we also have his weirwood dream. Like we literally have him, you know, we have him in that in that kind of role. So I just I don't think this is all. This yeah, isn't all I, I don't know. It's to, not going to be Edmure. It's not going to, you know. I mean, like I don't know who else it would be. Who else? Who who else are you going to rally people behind? I mean, I don't think it's the Blackfish. He was willing to, you know, basically get them all killed for his own pride. I, yeah, and I don't think it's going to be the Blackfish either. And you know, smart as the Blackfish is about some things he's considered a better soldier than he is a general. And right. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll I mean, see. what's the point of writing an entire book about Jamie, essentially finding his finding and cultivating his fine leadership qualities and finding his own way in the world to have it amount to nothing. Well, if you're game of Thrones then that's just right up your alley, but I don't think that's what George is doing. I will see. We'll have to see. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple other messages. Um, <laughs> Mr. N- uh, no, Mr. Bondi. When is Wins coming out? Also, who shot JFK? Mm-hmm. What happened to Lord Lucan? Where is MH370? Mm-hmm. Who controls the British crown? Who keeps the metric system down? <laughs> I had to look up that Simpsons episode um, uh-huh. <laughs> for the stone cutters. Um, we have a, a Gmail from Catherine who says, I love this email, too. Hi, ladies and occasional gents. I've been rereading along with you, and I've also been listening to your coverage of the Cersei chapters in between. I just finished episode 101, which was A Feast for Crows, Cersei 9, and had to laugh at how um, present it was. I'm not sure if that's being pronounced right. It was released in February of 2016. Accurate predictions that The Winds of Winter will still not be released. We will get eight seasons of Game of Thrones, and Trump will be running for a second term as president of the U.S., um, thankfully, Lady Blade War Angel was correct that you did make it to 300 episodes. So yeah, I think our 300th episode will be released next week. Oh, but god. the rest of it was real. I re I re listened to that and I'm like, oh god, why were we? You know, like February 2016. Like the idea that Trump would have been even the nominee. I think at that point was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a joke. I went and listened oh to it, too. God. It was clearly like, ha, 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 yeah, the Trump re-election campaign. <laughs> That'll oh, be a riot. Oh. Um, yeah, sorry. So if we, if we had anything... This really is the that, worst sorry. timeline, guys. It really is. <laughs> Darkest timeline. Ugh. Oh. Uh, we have a Tumblr message from Pretty Thief who says, Hey, y'all, I'm a competitive runner and ardent JB shipper. I usually listen to podcasts while training and up-tempo, motivating music on race day. Today, I opted to mix it up and listen to your podcast during a half marathon, and I beat my personal record. Clearly, something about these two is good for my cardiac output. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for getting me across the finish line. That's That's so cool. I know. (laughs) Clearly, we're responsible. I feel like we it must have been like some angry message, you know, (laughs) angry episode rather. Um. And then we have a final email from our friend Jenner who says, Hey, ladies and occasional gents, hope you're all doing better than I am about rereading Brienne's final published chapter in Feast. Your reread has been giving me quite a bit of life going through my own reread, which I've now finished, including first-time reads of Dunk and Egg. Dunk is everything. 
Fire and Blood and the World of Ice and Fire. I think it was Devin who mentioned that Podrick has been hanging from a tree for 14 years. <laughs> and Feast <laughs> U.S. published date was November 8th, 20, 2005. So almost down to the day, and I miss my girl. No amount of targs or history can fill the void that the last time we truly got to be in her head was 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Only two more Jamie chapters to go before the end of the re-reread. And I was just wondering if a celebratory finish the read New Year drunk cast was planned. And we also had um, so, uh, same, that same question on the subreddit. So I think we we'll probably have to <laughs> come up with <laughs> Might need to schedule a drunk cast for the New Year sometime. Um, <laughs> I recently happened upon a very amusing Game of Thrones cocktail book and have been itching for a reason to test out some of the recipes. <laughs> and um, Kama was nice enough to find out that the book is called Gin of Thrones by Daniel Betridge. So um, sounds like something to check out. Thanks, Carol for all has actually guys. created some great Game of Thrones yeah. cocktails. Mm-hmm. What has? Oh, you. my, my oathkeeper. <laughs> you have. The secret ingredients is food coloring. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for all you guys do again. Your podcast always gives me the Game of Thrones content I need, despite the fact that most people have moved on by now. And when I dive into general fandom, I tend to get annoyed by people writing off Jamie and Brienne's connection as fan service or whatever their excuses are. It's nice to have you guys to come back to. I'm very much looking forward to your general reread of the series you've announced. I know it's quite a while off, but with but particularly um, Eddard 9 in Game of Thrones. I've gone through most of your episodes now, and I think this is one of the only Jamie-centric centric chapters left that you haven't had a show on. I can't wait for your commentary on Jamie's Bond villain mustache twirling and hair flipping <laughs> deeds. Probably right. Um, wishing you all the best, Jenner. P.S. Brad is doing well. <laughs> Recently, we've been debating about the impact of translators on text. If any of you like Greek myth, a new translation of the Odyssey by a female translator has recently been published, which is what sparked this debate. And then Kama um, says she thinks this is Emily Wilson, who's the first to do so in English. So I think, Devin, you're my fellow fellow Greek mythology fan, right? Yes. So this might be one for us. Um, Yeah. Emily Wilson. So yeah, that actually sounds like super interesting, because there actually are women in the Odyssey, which (laughs) makes it better right there. (laughs) Okay. uh, (laughs) Okay. That was some cool mail, actually. It was a good yeah. mailbag. We always get good mailbags, but that was fun. Um, you can reach us at closethedoorend at gmail.com, on Tumblr at closethedoorandcomehere at tumblr.com. Um, submit questions to the chapter threads on the Jamie and Brand subreddit as we do start our read-through. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Door Podcast. Please like, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And please support us on Patreon at Close the Door. Um, closing the door. Get out. <laughs>